Hello and welcome to the second instalment of our Artistic Associate interviews here on the Stratford East podcast. Back in January this year, our Artistic Director Nadia Fall was appointed one of five Sky Ambassadors who will mentor the next generation of talent in the arts. As part of this programme, we selected two Artistic Associates who have joined the Stratford East team for a year-long placement. After speaking with Mina Barber on our previous episode, today Nadia will be talking to writer and performance artist Tabby Lamb. She'll be sharing her theatre inspirations with us as well as what she hopes to get out of being an artistic associate. As ever, please subscribe to the Stratford East podcast and if you want to get in touch, then drop us an email by emailing podcast at stratfordeast.com. Tabby, welcome to uh, Theatre Royal Stratford East podcast and um, also welcome to Theatre Royal Stratford East as our new creative associate along with Amina Barber. We're so excited to have you guys and um, I just wanted to have a conversation with you so um, everybody could get to know you a little bit as I have these past few um, weeks. Um, so Tell us a, a little bit about yourself and, and uh, your sort of route to the arts, really, and how you came to be in the arts. Of course. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me both on the <laughs> podcast and in the building. I'm very, very excited. Um, so I am Tabby Lam. My pronouns are she or they. And I have been obsessed with theatre since... I was born, basically. I remember, I'm not like, I'm not even joking. I've been doing little plays in my parents' living room and doing all of that stuff for as long as I can remember. And one of my earliest memories is going to see the Care Bears live at, wow. um, yeah, at uh, Oxford New Theatre. But my mum had to take me out before the show started because I was so scared of what might be behind the curtain. I was so petrified of like what could be hiding there, which is why my parents then signed me up to a local youth theatre. So I went to um, a place called Playbox Theatre in Warwickshire, basically just to get me over the phobia of curtains, to be very honest. <laughs> and the rest is history. Yeah, Had you I mean, not been scared of the curtains? You, I know. You Who knows what would have happened? In a bank. <laughs> oh god I hope not I no. hope not no no I'm sure I would have found I would have found the arts in some way I was I'm very lucky that like my family have always been very supportive my dad didn't really had never really been to the theatre before I was born but then would once he saw that I was really interested in it, mm. would would get the train up to London and go and see a matinee and then an evening show and get dinner in Chinatown and it would be like our little bonding treat. Um, and my mum, my mum has always painted and read poetry and been into the art, so it's always something that's sort of been really encouraged in my family, which is really really lucky. That is really lucky, and and so you were sort of immersed in it because it was your passion from a really young age. It was your mm. thing. But when did it become more formalised? When when did you think this is what I'm going to do uh, for, for the rest of my life, and this is I'm going to earn a living through being an artist? And 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 what kind of artist are you? Would you say are you? So I I tend to describe myself as a bit of a multidisciplinary artist. So I. I decided I wanted to work in theatre again at a very early age. There's never been 
anything else that I wanted to do. I was sure that I was going to go to drama school. I would do amazingly well at drama school. I would then get plucked from obscurity and be on the West End and then be in movies and everything would be fine. And obviously that's not how the world works. And I ended up, I ended up actually not going to drama school. I went to uh, Dartington, which is an art school and studied um, performance art and theatre directing. So my background has always been more devised work and more collaborative work. Right. And then um, over the past three or four years, I started writing as well, which is something that I'd never really considered before because the thing that I love so much about theatre is the collaboration. It is working with other artists and other art forms and bringing things together. Um, but I found that I really enjoyed writing and really enjoyed creating my own worlds, my own narratives, and then sort of handing them over to a creative and seeing, seeing what magic would be created by that. And then I also, I perform a little bit as well. Like my last play I was in, I, um, I was in it. And then I've also, I direct for cabaret and for theatre and I do a bit of dramaturgy. And just, I feel like any millennial working in theatre sort of does a little bit of everything because yes. we kind of have to. I completely agree. It's kind of, well, needs must, but also yeah. um, what I love about the new generation of artists, and I hope this doesn't sound patronising, if I could go <laughs> in a time machine and be a new generation <laughs> is that, you know, you don't have to stay in a lane. You aren't... Yeah a writer or just a performer things are much more fluid than that and therefore more creative because you're not always restricting yourself to one way of expression and I think that can only be a, a great thing a good thing and but would you say there is something that you feel most joyful from doing or most creative while you're writing or when you're performing do you are you sort of drawn to one aspect of it more than another or does it depend really I think well, I think that's a really hard question to answer right now right, when right. I haven't been on stage or been in an actual theatre in so long. Yeah. So I've spent the last year pretty much writing alone in my bedroom. Right. And I found that amazing and really, really inspiring to just create everything from scratch by myself which is something that I'd never done before. I usually work very closely with a dramaturg. I usually um, collaborate with people, like I said, and to not be able to do that was a real test of my skill set and a test of my knowledge. And it really, it made me realise how much I've learned from those artists that I can bring into my own work, but also how much I've, I've learned from the different disciplines that I working so I've been able to go through my own scripts and do a bit of my own dramaturgy on them and I've been able to think about how things might look from when I've directed shows I can then work that into the stage directions if I want to and work the the mood into it and things like that so it's at the moment I would say that writing is like my main passion and the main thing I'm interested in but also it's all I've done for the past 14 months so it might be that as soon as theatres open and I get on a stage, I'm like, no, nope, all about the razzle-dazzle now, babe. <laughs> yeah, that's, that makes complete sense. And what a powerful thing to be able to do, to know because of the pandemic, things are a certain way, but you're yeah. going to really go deep sea diving into to, to the writing part of it and feel that 
autonomy in and feel you, you can still be really creative in, in yeah just all you I, need is your own mind and your pen really i feel and, so privileged that i've been able to do that as well and so right. lucky that not only have i been able to write but like just it was probably about six months before the pandemic i got my writing agent so not only was i able to write but i was also getting paid to write and writing for venues and companies that i really like and that i really respect and it was it was a weird time for like the first time I was like autonomous out there creating work for people I was like really inspired by, but then not meeting any of them. But also I just, so many people, so many of my friends lost work. So many of my friends had to move out of London. So many of my colleagues no longer work in theatre. Right. And I just, I feel so lucky and so privileged that I've been able to be in work and to keep learning, like the amount of courses I've taken over the past year as well online. I just, I've managed to keep going at a time when the industry really was, couldn't support a lot of us, unfortunately. Um, so yeah. I have to keep reminding myself how lucky I am for that. No, absolutely. They are, as we both know, so many of our, freelance workforce out there not just mm -hmm. artists but yeah you know, totally that have just not been able to to earn any income at all and how vulnerable people are right now because of mm. that um abs absolutely um can i ask i mean this is a hard question in a way but um some of these are because it's really hard to pick things but oh i find that it's really hard to pick things but who or what are some of your theater inspirations is there a particular artist or company or something that you would say yeah that's that's what inspires me or um there are a few there's a few different ones and from different times in my life as well. So one of my, I, I sort of call it a bit of a defining moment, which sounds a bit pretentious, but <laughs> I, I grew up in Warwickshire and one of my teenage jobs was working the bar at the RSC. And um, so I would see all of the shows at the RSC and I like Shakespeare, but it's never been like my massive passion. And one year, uh, Nehi came in with Don John and I, remember at the press night party I remember speaking to Emma Rice and being like this sort of theatre is something I've never seen before I'm so inspired by this how can I work with you one day and she told me to go to Dartington and study how to make theatre so that's what I did and it was literally wow. because that's what she told me to do oh and so goodness. as soon as I left I sent her an email being like so I did what you told me to where's my job <laughs> um, <laughs> And she replied and was like, I'm so sorry. I've literally just handed my notice in at Nehi. I, um, I can't hire you right now, but let's keep in touch. And she's been really supportive of my career and has been giving me lots of encouragement. And there was one point when I was very close to giving up on theatre altogether. And I went into her office and we just had a really long chat about different options. And we, she gave me a massive hug. And one of the things that she told me then was to go to Stratford to go to Stratford East and that she could see me fitting in in Stratford. And I, now I it's all come full circle. Wow. No, I'd, I'd completely forgotten it until now actually, because she, she read one of my scripts and was like, do you know what? You could write a killer panto one day. You should go to Stratford and like, look at how they do panto and how they do it in such an inclusive and fun and exciting and theatrical way. 
Um, so that's, that's pretty mind blowing. I, I had yeah. no idea, and I'm a great fan of hers as well. She was um, one of the most inspirational um, teachers, if you like, or mm-hmm. practitioners that came into um, our theatre directing course many moons ago when I was on that, and I just thought. What I loved about her is how she thought outside the box and everything yeah. else was so conventional and she was so joyful and looked at things in, in, in a completely unique way. And I just thought, and she, you know, that was so palpable in her presence. Mm. And, um, yeah, and no, she's what? such a multi-hyphenate as well. Like she yeah. performs, yeah. she writes, she directs, she create, and she creates opportunities as well, which is something I'm really passionate about. Like the, the wise children have the school of wise children where they train people up. And I have a company called Theatre Queers where I run writing courses and directing courses for trans and non-binary and queer people. So that part of her ethos I've really taken on board as well. Um, but then there's so many people outside of that sort of I feel like she's a bit more mainstream theatre now um and making incredible work and then I remember when the biggest influence on my writing style I think is definitely Philip Ridley the way that he tells stories and he's he's an East London based artist like me he's a queer artist and he he just has an incredible way with words and can make the darkest things so beautiful and I think the the difference between the two of them as artists is sort of what I tried to find myself where you've got you've got the joy and the the pure fun and excitement of Emma's work but then you've also got the grit and the reality and the like the beauty and the darkness of Philip's work as well um we've got more in common than uh, than I could have imagined because uh, when I was in my early early 20s and I was in the Soho Theatre Writers Group. Yeah, I did that as well. Did you? That's so yeah. funny. Yeah. <laughs> funny. Yeah, we're all so conventional. Um, and uh, I remember it was a quite a little, a cool little group. Russell Tovey was one of the participants and we, we were there trying to write little plays and stuff. Mm. And um, Philip was one of the, Philip Ridley was one of the guest playwrights. And I remember reading all of his um, plays one, the the sort of, you know, culmination of Pitchfork Disney and, and some of those first plays that he'd written and brilliant. Yeah, Ghost from a Perfect Place. Yes, exactly. Fastest Clock in the Universe. Yes. Oh, so good, so good. Yes, so good. And going, God, this is just up my street. It's kind of twisted and yeah. cockney and, um, you know, had that East End feel to it. And um I, I really, I, I thought it was brilliant. And um, I think, it, yes, I, I think those are two very inspirational people and quite different people that um, I can mm. see how they both inspired you in completely different ways. And on on inspiration, I mean, I like you, I assume we see a hell of a lot of work uh, because we're actually theatre fans as well. <laughs> yes, yes. That work in it. And, and, you know, see what, you know, I enjoy seeing a lot of work that, isn't the kind of work I make sometimes as mm-hmm. well, you know. Totally. Um, but is there is there a play or um, show that you can say, gosh, that was a really, is it um, inspirational one or one that you really loved for a particular reason? Ooh, I'm, I'm so fussy when it comes to theatre in that I see everything, but then 
I either I either hate everything or I just love everything. There's very little in between <laughs> for me. Um, so I'm either like, that's naff. I'm never going to see anything by that company or whatever ever again. And then I get FOMO. So I book for the next show and love it anyway. Or I just get obsessed with things. So I, what, I blooming love the musical Hair. Oh, okay. I yeah. think it's it's such an interesting, the form of it is so beautiful in that it's it's essentially just a long drug trip and there's very <laughs> little narrative, but it's so political and it's so authentic. And I think it really, even though it's so specifically about the Vietnam War, it's also still so contemporary and it still speaks to young people today. And okay. especially with this new, the gen z coming up who are so much more political mm. than my generation were at that age because they've had to be and you look at all the activism they're doing on like tiktok and their protests that they're doing in schools and all of that and oh yeah that really yeah. i always think like i would love to see like what would a gen z hair be like <laughs> um but then also what else have i loved um I so I love the artist David Hoyle. Um, I recently got to work with him. He's in a play that I've written for Forty Five North, and his work has just always inspired me because of the way that he pushes boundaries with gender, with performance art, with theatre, with film as well. With his movie Uncle David, there's I just think he's such an interesting and charismatic person who just completely transcends binaries of form and gender and it's just also the sweetest and most supportive person I think I've been lucky over the past year I sort of I got to a point where I was like do you know what everyone's got loads of time on their hands I'm just gonna email all of my idols and like Philip Ridley has been so lovely and so supportive and read loads of my work and given me feedback and so's Jonathan Harvey who wrote Beautiful Thing and I just feel like I just feel very lucky to be at the point where um, where I'm able to make work that I can show to people who inspired me to make it. That's that's really that's you know, and there's not so many great things about the pandemic. <laughs> the the time and the courage to write to people that mm. you admired, and then actually writing back and actually yeah. collaborating with you is pretty pretty it's, awesome and what I like about your sort of favorite plays or some of your favorite pieces in artists that you've described they really get me to know you like I can really see you in those, yeah. in those choices as I just, well I have such a varied taste in theater like I literally I go and see everything from like the tiniest piece of movement theatre with one person at the vaults to the biggest, splashiest musical in the West End. And I will love or hate all of it, but I will keep going. And I will, I'm just really passionate about all different forms from theatre to opera, to dance, to circus, to performance art, to drag, to cabaret. Like, I just love live performance and I cannot wait, Nadia, till we can just be in a room together watching a play again, watching watching someone do something in real time and sharing sharing the same air as them and hearing the audience's reactions around me and yeah. those moments when everyone gets shocked at the same time or when we when it's panto this Christmas and everyone starts booing the big bad wolf like I can't wait. 
<laughs> that's the thing i think you know we all know we lo we love theater we work in it and we certainly aren't doing it for the money we do <laughs> we do love it but i just think you don't know how much you're going to miss something till it's gone yeah. it's just absolutely right and the few little bits of theatre I've experienced during this past year and a bit um, when things were allowed to happen for mm -hmm. a little glimmer here and there I just was so surprised at how emotional I'd get yeah same because you know it, it is it is such a communion you know and it's the closest we've all got to a non-denominational sort of experience or church yeah, 100 about religion or who your tribe it's about coming together as humans mm. and and sort of watching something and processing it together i just think it's deep and i know it sounds corny but i really really believe in its power so i just can't wait to begin to make those kind of baby steps back to some sort of <laughs> theatre normality but yeah, um, I totally agree but what what I know we've spoken a bit about this but what what are you most looking forward to about being an artistic associate at Stratford East I mean um I know so, we're plotting and planning but <laughs> yeah what what are the bits that you can't wait to, to get stuck into well so I have been obsessed with theatre royal Stratford East in all honesty, this is where I come out as a true fangirl for <laughs> years. Like literally next to my bed, I have Joan's book, Joan Littlewood's Peculiar History As She Tells It. And it is the most like thumbed through book. It's so, it looks so battered and old now because I've read it so many times. <laughs> and I just, I love the ethos of the theatre. I love what you've done with the theatre and the, the work that you programmed, like, just is insane and i'm so excited to see how that happens and we've already started doing that we've already started plotting for future shows that are going to be programmed and future ideas that people have and seeing the the process that goes to putting teams together to working out the marketing campaigns to what artists you're really interested in and how how can we develop them and make sure that oh they're going to be ready to for have to have a main stage show next year or the year after and that process i'm absolutely fascinated by because i've i've worked in venues like my whole career but never on the creative side. I worked front of house at Soho. I worked in the marketing department at English National Opera. I worked on the bar at the RSC. I've always been around these decisions and these meetings, but I've never been able to participate and give my opinion. And I feel like I've spent, I've spent the past 31 years honing my artistic taste and my skills and learning, learning about everything I can about theatre. Like, I'm autistic, so I um, I get very interested in things. And theatre has been my special interest since I was three years old. So if there's something that I don't know about theatre, it's probably not worth knowing. Or I'm going to get really obsessed with it as soon as I do find out about it, because I'm so excited to have some new information. So to be able to s learn how all of the things that I love get made is really exciting. And we're and that 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 goes both ways. I mean, you know, um, buildings are nothing without the freelancers that mm -hmm. come and work in them, and totally. and the artists. And you know, we crave that imagination and that energy. And 
you know, uh, I'm just really, I'm just really looking forward to having those conversations and that blue sky thinking and, and then some practical things to see how we can make, build these ideas. And yeah. That's the thing. I, I'm so used to like the blue sky thinking conversations. I'm so used to having them in pubs with mates and none of us <laughs> having any power to make them happen. Yeah. So to now be part of a venue and to be able to have those conversations with people who have some power and being able to be one of sort of be one of those people who has a little bit of power to be like, this is the industry I want to work towards. This is the industry I want to build. These are the support systems I want to put in place for my community, whether that's the theater community or the queer community or the DDF disabled community, like to actually be able to say, this will help us and let's do it rather than just be like, that would be great, but no one's ever going to do it. Like, it's really cool now that I can be like, Nadia, I've got this idea. Think it'll really benefit people. Shall we do it? 100%. And with that is the super ambition that it's always interesting, thought-provoking and brilliant art. Because yeah. that's, that's, that's really what we aspire towards and, and bringing everybody and a real diverse community of yes. people on both sides of that, the storytellers and the watchers, you know. Yeah. So, so yeah, I just got, we, we're just chomping at the bit really, can't wait to start. And I, I've got some sort of quick fire in my, Ooh. when I was a teenager, it was like, um, smash hits magazine <laughs> yeah. questions um so these quick fire questions no need to think just from your heart okay um, recommend and some of these are hard because it's actually you know lockdown or it has been so um uh they might not be relevant but if you had to for your mood today or this week or generally your go-to album what would it be uh so my current go-to album is the off-Broadway cast recording of We Are the Tigers, which is an ama—it's an amazing, like, um, murder mystery cheerleader musical by a trans composer and writer, and it's just brilliant, and I love it. And that's there's been a lot of stuff in the media um, over the past week or two. Um, about trans people in musicals and trans casting in musicals. Oh, so to yeah. listen, to listen to an incredible musical written by a trans team has just it's felt uh radical but also it's just really good fun that's really cool because i don't know that one and i will check it out and it's on spotify check it out brilliant thank you um a film lockdown we've been watching a lot of films um on maybe netflix and uh, whatever so what what a film um so I have been, me and my partner have recently been like introducing each other to favourite films. And last night I made him watch Cabaret for the first time. For the first time? And, yeah, it was the first time he had watched Cabaret. He's, he doesn't work in theatre. He's, oh, yeah. he's not from this world. So he, he vaguely knew who Liza Minnelli was, but didn't know she was Judy Garland's daughter. Um, oh. So <laughs> we, I was watching Cabaret last night and just thought, it reminded me how brilliant a film that is and oh, how yeah. it's I think it's the perfect stage to screen adaptation definitely and and usually they ruin the, the you know the play or the, or the yeah movie. and and that one's just like really special I yeah. I love that yes good tv show um tv show at the moment I'm really enjoying watching she uh, the new she on Netflix is really queer. It's created by a non-binary person. The voice talent is amazing. The art is amazing. And it's just really lovely and uplifting. 
Okay. And good. I'll put that on my list because I was <laughs> running out of things. And book. Um, book. I am currently reading a book called Cinderella is Dead, which is a YA queer post-apocalyptic um, reimagining of Cinderella where when girls in this community reach 18 they automatically have to marry a prince but what happens if uh, one of them is a lesbian <gasps> who knows what? Dun, dun, that dun. is definitely our panto for next year <laughs> and so with that Tabby thank you so much for taking some time and having a little gossip with me it's oh, um, always a joy Nadia you know that <laughs> and as I said absolutely can't wait to get stuck in and uh See you soon. Yeah, can't wait. Well, it's lovely to chat. Thank you to Nadia and Tabby for speaking with us and thank you for listening to the Stratford East podcast. Join us next time.